104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now... It's time for Ned Talk. And as it happens, we're here in the studio to talk a little bit of the sports on this Sunday evening slash afternoon. I'm Joe Weston, joined by Ned Reynolds. Ned, how are you doing? Absolutely beautiful day in the Ozarks. Sun now, nice and warm. The Chiefs are playing tonight. What more could you want? Life is good. Let's talk about Tom Brady being divorced to start out the show. <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> Alex Scott is with us. Alec, how are you? Doing great. Steelers can't lose today, so I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> pretty good by week, yeah. Yeah, ticket, ticket. can't win, but better and, than losing. And Josh Roberts, who's given up on football. I have. I've given up on football. Not, Everybody's going to call me sour grapes, but that's all right. Not football, but football. Yeah. I'm looking not forward football. to the World Cup. All right, let's. right. Uh, can we? Most of us, I think, can remember, except for Josh, who didn't watch the game. He, right. I'm, I'm throwing him under the bus right away. Go for it. Let's talk about the Chiefs and the San Francisco Giants statistically. Giants? No, sorry. Sam, <laughs> Sam, well, I'm still on baseball. It San was Francisco a weird 49ers. game. Yeah, football, foot baseball weird, game. Yeah. Base foot. Yeah. It was a weird game. Okay. All right, now that we're done with that, now we're, now we're done correcting the host. <laughs> San Francisco 49ers, who's statistically were the best defense in the NFL. Chiefs made that look pretty bad. I really felt like that was a trap game for Kansas City. Go out there to Levi Stadium and face a team that had gotten knocked off the week before, I think 28-14 to or something like that. But Garoppolo certainly capable of playing very well and with a new addition, McCaffrey, to the team. Mm-hmm. And you knew he was going to play probably not a whole lot, but you knew he was still going to be in there. Yet his addition had to be a motivating factor to San Francisco. And as a matter of fact, I think he what, ripped off a, an eight-yard gain on his first carry and things like that. But San Francisco never got started. And the reason they didn't was because Kansas City's defense is playing so very well. Really impressed with the way the Chiefs put the pressure on, stopped everything the 49ers wanted to do, and won a very impressive victory. And look good all the way around. I mean, they they looked fantastic on offense. They looked fantastic on defense. They put Garofalo under the gun the entire game. And the Chiefs just made what looked like, you know, one of the better defenses. And this seems to be a recurring story for the Chiefs each week, that they're facing a team that has a very good defense. And a lot of those teams' defenses, they're making look bad. Well, in this Sunday's game, tonight's game, the Chiefs are playing it to a team that doesn't have a real great defense. They've, they're they ranked 24th or something like that in the NFL in total in run and in pass defense. So you really look for Kansas City to air out the ball tonight and maybe have a very big game. But we'll get into that, um, I think, more in depth a little bit later on. What was your take on the, the last Chiefs game? I think they're just the, – the total defensive stats, they're just starting to take that personally, I think. Anytime they see a defense that's touted as an elite one, that just inspires the Chiefs to roll over them even harder. I think we can officially turn the page in the NFL. I don't think great defense beats great offense anymore. I think the way the rule book is set up, the way the NFL is organizing these things, they want points. They know points put butts in chairs. So offense is now the name of the game. The new way to play defense now is the bend, don't break, and I think the Chiefs defense understands that assignment. It doesn't matter how many yards you let up as long as you hold them to field goals in the red zone 
and force some timely turnovers, and their defense is built to do that. Yeah, they look really good, and that's the way they looked. I hate to say this because I think it's a kind of a repetitive thing for me. That's the way they looked in the season that they won the Super Bowl. They looked that way the season before they won the Super Bowl. They just seemed to kind of give a little bit, but were always able to make a big play, get a big stop, or a big turnover. What do you think, Josh? Well, I think it's great to to see that their defense is finally living up to its potential. You know, I mean, their offense is their offense. Those guys are capable of scoring 100 points in a game if they want, you know, if breaks go their way. But I do like the fact that the young guys that have come in this season, especially in the defensive line and in the linebacking core, have made it better so that it's taking more pressure off of their D-backs. Because that's the one thing I think where the Chiefs are still would be considered weak is their their defensive backfield can potentially give up a lot of yardage. But it's good to hear that they're uh, they're shutting things down. Josh is down in the dumps because Alabama lost. <laughs> okay. And he walked into the studio and you said, I'm not watching the Chiefs anymore because they don't play the way that I think they should. What caused you to feel that way? Uh, they are a schizophrenic team, and that's what frustrates me. You know, one week they will dominate, and then the next week they play way down to a lesser team. And, you know, I mean, lose, losing to Indianapolis, I'm like, what? what? That doesn't even make any sense. That's the only turd in the punch bowl well, they for the first half. I mean, they really, they look paid... good. They didn't look good against Buffalo either. But Buffalo's a really good team. Buffalo is a good team, yes. But they... The Chiefs should be able to beat teams like Buffalo. So it is good. I mean, I didn't watch the game against the 49ers, but it is good that you got what you guys are saying about how they, they played a dominant game against the 49ers. Two factors, Josh, come into play here. Number one is, now watch, here comes Joe Weston out of his chair, and he's going to throw a They're professional athletes. Our professional athletes. These are <laughs> professional athletes who are capable of doing some very, very good things, and they have a sense of pride about them. They've all achieved in college. They were big-time players. They're getting paychecks for this. That's number one. But number two, with the Kansas City Chiefs and with some of the other coaches, they are coaching their teams to, to model themselves right after what Alec just said what the NFL wants. Right. And that is offense. They want big scores. You see, and I'm, I I know this is knocking the officials, which I don't like to do, but some of these interference calls are utterly bogus and don't belong, and it's a spot foul. Mm-hmm. I asked a friend of mine who is a former white hat and lives here in town, why do you have it a spot foul? Why not make it a 15-yarder? Because the NFL doesn't want that. They want right. the, the scores. They want and them to be huge penalties that change the momentum of the game. Bingo. And that is exactly how uh, the coaches in the NFL are guiding their teams now. They have their offensive strategy pattern to do just that. Play it wide open, guys. Take chances with what you're going to do because more often than not, you're going to reap the rewards from that. You're listening to Ned Talk, your local live sports talk show right here on 104.7 The Cave. We are your pre-pregame show. The official Chiefs pregame show starts at 6 o'clock. And we are talking about the Chiefs there. It was an easy win. I think probably the easiest win that the Chiefs have had all season. I don't think that game was ever in doubt. It wasn't. I thought the Chiefs had it all the way. Even, you know, they achieved a big halftime lead over the 49ers. And, and San Francisco never, never really threatened. One thing about the Chiefs that does have me a little bit worried, 
They've lived a charmed life. They have had no, they've had some injuries. Of course, you're going to have that, the bumps and the bruises, that happens. But nothing severe, nothing to knock any of their top players out. In past years, Chris Jones has gone out with, mm-hmm. what to ha- uh, not hamstring, but uh, uh, injuries, injuries that have been of muscle pull variety. He's had those. Uh, Clark has been out on occasion. Linebackers have been banged up. But none of that has happened. One suspension, actually two suspensions, because Clark is out. Now, I don't think they miss him at all. They won't. Oh, I, his name hardly gets called. Got the Dunlap kid in there who will take over today. They, they're just a well-balanced team that has been signed, in my opinion, very well. They've gotten the key parts in there. I'm still, jury's out on Canarius Tony. We'll see what he has to offer, but... Over and above all that, it's a, che- a team that is really well-constructed to win. Let's talk about that. There were some roster moves this week. Uh, Legereus Sneed is gone, mm-hmm. and Tony is in now. He's a guy that they got from the New York Giants, was not getting much love with the Giants, but has been injured quite a bit. Joe, and I, I think it's Rashad Fenton. Who's oh, sorry, to- Rashad Fenton. I'm sorry. I apologize. I get those guys mixed up. I'm sorry <laughs> about that. <laughs> I do. Honestly, honestly, Frank Clark and Chris Jones are the same person to me. Yeah. <laughs> so which one is the good one and which one is the bad one? But yeah, okay, sorry about that. Rashad Fenton. You went to Atlanta, but Tony, I've talked to a lot of Chiefs fans this last week, and the impression that I got from them was this was a kind of a safety move for the future. What's your take on that? Well, I, in a sense, yes, but it, what it did was free up cap space. Because with his his trade to the Washington Commanders, I think is where he went. I, well, Atlanta. Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons. Okay, they, they freed up some cap space uh, with his dealing. His cap space now is off the, off the Chiefs list now, off the books. So you have some extra money there to spend perhaps on a free agent. Now, while the trading deadline's been reached, you can't trade. But you can sign free agents down the stretch. And there is one out there looming. I hope, in all honesty, the Chiefs don't get him. But uh, Odell Beckham Jr., there may be others. You never know what's going to happen, especially as the season goes on. We still have a number of regular season games to play. And again, I, I want to point out, it's been a charmed life for Kansas City. No serious injuries. You have to guard against that and, and coach with the depth factor in mind. What is the deal with Frank Clark? Why is he suspended? This is... a part of his deal from last year when he was caught carrying oh, okay. uh, concealed weapons. This is an NFL suspension. Mm-hmm. He, from a legal standpoint, that's all been adjudicated, and he's serving something like a community service and uh, maybe paid a small fine or something like this. But the NFL takes the, uh, I don't remember how, what they call it now, but your public persona, they take that into consideration, and his public persona, not very good after that weapons charge, so he sits out two games. One thing I noticed here as I uh, peruse the Chiefs' depth chart is that the name Isaiah Pacheco is at the top of the Chiefs' depth chart, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is now in the second spot. Do you think that's earned? Well, Pacheco is a very nice player. Yeah, he is. I agree. He's Mm -hmm. also quite a bit younger than uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Keep in mind, we're talking about running backs now, and the age age from our life on earth here is is much more rapidly advanced when you're a running back in the NFL. Pacheco's a very good player. Very, very nice place from Rutgers, South Jersey kid. 
and he is tough. He wants to play. I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire does too, but he simply hasn't been able to generate what they need, and as a result, hey, that's the nature of pro football. Hey, great job. You're not doing it for me lately. See you. Ned Talk on 104.7 The K. We're getting ready for the start of the pregame show on the Chiefs Radio Network. That comes up at 6 o'clock. Alec Scott is with us. Alec, any of the moves this last week in the NFL raise your eyebrow at all? Well, you know, I I like the Tony move for the Chiefs. I, I feel like it was a bit of a low-risk, high-reward. The guy is only about a year and a half removed from being a first-round draft pick by the Giants. And whether it was injury, personality, whatever, it didn't mesh there. Why not go at a guy like that who has nothing but upside? And, you know, the draft capital you give up in your Kansas City, your draft picks are going to be on the lower end of the rounds when you have the success they do. So why not take a shot? I think that takes them out of the OBJ market. His race, though, I think is going to be really interesting in the NFL because his injury he suffered in the Super Bowl, he's probably getting pretty close to coming back from that, and he can survey the landscape and see which of these contending teams do I take over the edge to potentially make a playoff, a real good playoff push. Otherwise, the trade deadline, uh, Miami getting Bradley Chubb, that surprised me from Denver. I was surprised to see Denver potentially waving the white flag on the season already. I know it hasn't been pretty, but it's a little muddled there in the middle. I would have, <laughs> wouldn't have thought you – that's a star pass rusher. I just wouldn't think you would have given that up at this point. But they got some nice draft capital for it. We'll see if they can cash it in while carrying Russ's ridiculously large contract to watch him play average quarterback. What about you, Josh, Ned? Did you uh, – any of the moves make you go, hmm, interesting? No, I – this whole Odell Beckham Jr. thing, I, he seems to me like he's another one of those players that – People keep giving him chances that he doesn't deserve. So I hope the Chiefs don't even look at him. And I don't think that he's good enough to push anybody over the top in the playoffs as a contender, but that's just me. But, no, I I, I don't think there were any huge uh, changes in this past week. And, you know, I mean, there's going to be some players here and there that, that move from team to team, and people are kind of shoring up their offenses and defenses to try to make playoff pushes. But I didn't seem too surprised by anything. I have to um, uh, agree with Alec here. When the uh, Denver Broncos traded Chubb, uh oh, they just threw in there or launched the white flag. They just gave up on the season. And then to make it it like that, when the season's still going on, I mean, you're only halfway through, but Mm -hmm. I think they see the handwriting on the wall that Russell Wilson is not going to be able to take this particular team and make them into a contender. It needs a lot of readjusting, retooling, and so forth. So if we can Unload this guy and his his price tag. Let's see what we can do with some of the others. There were there were other deals in the NFL, but I really don't find anything to be tremendously no, earth shaking. It wasn't a blockbuster trade deadline. There wasn't the the Chubb deal was probably the headliner deal, and I agree with you guys. I I would think the one team that probably could benefit at this mo at this point most from Odell Beckham Jr. would be the Packers mm-hmm. because. Aaron Rodgers has nobody to throw to. That's true. And they paid him a lot of money, and they have basically disintegrated the receiving core there. And he just, you know, that that game today, I, I don't know if you watched it. I know Ned and I both watched it. It was ridiculously low scoring. And Detroit, which is a ridiculously bad team, beat the Packers. <laughs> wow. And there was just nobody for him to throw to. And eventually he did the same thing Brett Favre did. At one point he just got all the way on his back foot and threw it up in the air and let hope that somebody would catch it that was wearing his jersey (laughs) Um, i think the packers have played their way out of odell beckham because he 
at this point he's chasing he's chasing a championship and after their fifth straight loss i i don't see anything appealing about going to a spot like that it would be it would be like buffalo or the rams well the rams aren't in it they're they're playing today and leading right now but they they're pretty much out of it but if they perceived that they still have a chance i think they'd retain his services but buffalo is the other team that uh, is looking covetously, if you can term Odell Beckham Jr. in that category, mm-hmm. uh, so what, at his services. What do you think about that, though? I mean, if you're a Chiefs fan, wouldn't you kind of be rooting for that, for him to go to Buffalo? Because he has a tendency to be a, a team disruptor. Don't know. Don't have the inside uh, knowledge of that. The same with this guy, Tony, who uh, Alec just mentioned a second ago, coming from the New York Giants. He's a first-round draft choice. First round draft choice last year. I remember him in Florida. He's a speed. He's he's kind of a Tyreek Hill type player. Real quick, good set of hands. But wait a minute, you unload your number one draft choice from a year ago for a couple of draft choices and send him to Kansas City. I don't know. There's a little bit more to that than I think we know. But hey, Andy Reid has a way of. <laughs> way of counseling with these guys and making them play. Well, yeah, well, he's the king of giving people second chances, I feel. so. Cardarius Tony on the 2022 season, two receptions, zero yards, 0.0 average on that. So I, I don't even know how that's possible. Just but, two more catches than me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and he has the same amount of yardage that you have. I'm doing pretty well, aren't I? So, yeah. You, the interesting thing about it is he was alleged to have had hamstring problems that kept him out of action. He arrives in Kansas City. Oh, no, I'm I'm fine. I'm ready to play. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is really interesting. When we come back, we'll talk about the World Series because that just wrapped up, and I don't think anybody here was happy about it. But we'll talk about it on Ned Talk. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. We're about 36 minutes away from the start of the Chiefs pregame show at the top of the hour. First person Giselle called after the divorce was official, Ned Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. little, little known fact, <laughs> she called Ned. Yeah, Ned so, close. said, no, sorry. Tom and I are old friends and I can't do it to him. So <laughs> I could say several things right there, but I think I won't. I think I'll just drop it right there. We'll just Best go on. That we drop it. Yes. Yeah, let's just leave it right there. How about that? Let's talk about the World Series for just a minute. Uh, it wrapped up yesterday. I was hoping for Game 7. Always great when it comes down to one game. Mm-hmm. But it didn't. The <laughs> Phillies climbed that mountain. Got to the very top. It looked like a couple of times they might. Well, they didn't. They just they tumbled down. And you said from the very beginning, Ned, you said Astros, better team, best team. And Houston is, there's no question in my mind, they're the better team in Philadelphia. This whole system, I'm sorry to say, I love baseball, but it's bogus having this many wild card teams in there. And Philadelphia was the last team to qualify. All right, that's my boyhood team, and I loved it that they were there. I loved it for the Philly fans that they had a chance to raise hell and carry on and beat the Cardinals and the Braves and the Padres and take a, a couple of 
games from the Houston Astros. That, 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 was, that was all good, all wonderful. But the best team was the Astros, and I'm not sure the Atlanta Braves weren't the second best team. But over and above that, I, I really do not like the system of having these wild card teams in there. It, what have they achieved during the regular season? Now, I'm, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit on that because this coming 2023, when this season begins, it's a little bit different perspective because every team is playing every other team. In other words, you're not going to have a situation in which, and I'm not knocking the Cardinals because they're a good team and they have a good nucleus and all that, but they got well in their division. And their division was W-E-A-K, folks. Cubs, Reds, Pirates. Come on, where's your major league level? Then toward the end of the season, with their minor leaguers coming up, I mean, that just wasn't real good competition. That won't happen this year because they'll have a number of games less in their division. I think it goes from something like 20 to 13 or something like that against each individual team. Yeah, they'll have an advantage, but it's going to differ quite a bit with every team playing everybody else a series. Well, that puts a different light on things, but still, when you have the number of wild card teams and their teams that have not achieved, what does that do to the regular season? I, you know, we disagree on this because uh, growing up as a kid, when there was the two divisions in each league, there were some times when you went into August and it was over. Mm-hmm. You, there, everybody was just playing out the string. Because the team had it so far decided in advance. And there were sometimes that three, if not four, the divisions were wrapped in August and everybody was just waiting to play the playoffs a month later. There was no drama. There was no excitement. The, that, that month was pretty much just written off. And now, with the addition of these extra teams with the extra layer playoffs... And I said it before we went on the air, Ned, baseball's a streaky sport. It's about getting hot at the right time. And the Phillies did, and they beat the teams that were there in front of them. So that's their, you know, that's their justification for being in the world championship. But what does that say about 111 wins for the Los Angeles Dodgers and 106 for Houston, who's fine because they win the thing, but 101 for the Atlanta Braves and what was uh, San Diego's 97, something like that. What does it say about the wins that they achieved when they had to on the regularly scheduled games? But my, my point to you would be, what if one team went out and pitched a no-hitter through eight innings and then in the ninth inning, the other team came out and scored seven runs, beat them seven to one. You would say, you could say in your argument, what do those eight previous no, innings nope, mean? Nope, 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 nope because, because that is the structure of the game. And that's this, the structure it, of the game now. It is, but it's manufactured. It has been brought on. Nine innings in baseball is what it's always been. The playoffs have always been the championship teams. Now, when you add divisions, all right, understand that because your number one teams and the divisions are in there. And you do have to have it to make it equal. One wild card. Okay, I do buy that if you're going to have divisions and they feel like they have to. But then to take away from a regular season in which a team has played so well and send them to the sidelines by a team that is number six and the last one in there, that just doesn't resonate. you got to beat them, though. That's, that's, to me, that's the thing, and that's the beauty of this. That's like watching the NCAA. It's like... What does the regular season mean if a team like Duke goes in and they're the number one seed and they had a great season and then they go play 
Wake Forest, and Wake Forest beats them in the first round, and they're out. And that's also not the way it used to be. But having said, <laughs> having said that, all right, somebody's going to say, hey, Joe, Joe, we've got tickets here to the, watch the Cardinals and the Los Angeles Dodgers in July. And these tickets are going to cost you $400 a piece. You're going to go? What are you going to see? No, a probably A team that might not. get knocked out in the postseason? No. Well, I, to me, going to the ballpark is just the experience of going to the ballpark. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. I mean, really, honestly, that's how I feel about it. But, I mean, I get your point. I do get your point. But, I, you know, I just like the fact that there is some things to play for, typically, mm-hmm. all the way through the season. I like that. That's the part of it that matters to me. There's there's sometimes that I sit and I look at these teams, you know, at the start of September and you look at Kansas City, for example. And I'm not knocking or dogging Kansas City or Pittsburgh Pirates or any team like that. And you look at them and you think, what are those guys out there doing? What are they out there thinking? And I know what you're going to say. They're professional athletes. They're, pay, they're, they're, they're paid to play. But I think sometimes it's just be like, can't I just go home and mow my lawn? <laughs> I'm going to hit you with a solution. And the solution was one that I thought of, but it has also been echoed by a number of others who have a whole hell of a lot more credibility than I do. And that is divide the season like they do in the Texas League. Call a halfway mark, maybe by the All-Star game, move it up at the, the mathematics, mathematical halfway point, whatever that might be. And in this case, it would be 81. All right, divide it there and start all over again in the second half. And that way you reward teams who are getting hot down the stretch. And they will legitimately get into the playoffs because you'd have the two wild card champions, or not wild card, but the two uh, division champions playing against each other uh, after that level of competition. I think that's the way to do it. Fair enough. What did you think about that, Alec? Now, as far as the playoff structure goes, I think removing the one-game wild card is a good thing. That in in a sport like baseball, I think making any teams face it off for a one and done is unfair. Too much can happen with your pitcher having just a bad night, and you can recover. It's hard in a three game series, but in a one game series, you you know, I think you can just fall in a hole. That's a little unfair when a sport that plays 162 games. I think of the current structure. I mean the the Dodgers did get beat, but you know they lost in a five game series and then a four team per league playoff. That's what they would have lost in a round one. That's what the Cardinals beat that Phillies team in a little over a decade ago. I I need to see more of it. I'm I don't want any more. I don't want to drop back down to where there's that one game playoff again. Um, I say either keep it as is. We'll see how this goes. See if the best team continues to win because Houston was the best team start to finish. You watched every series they played. There wasn't anyone that looked like they were really up for it against them. Before we get to Josh, who, interesting, he's our least, baseball is not his favorite sport. He likes it, but it's not his favorite. But he watched the entire World Series. He'll tell you that when we start. But <laughs> now, let me ask you this, though. How do you feel about the playoff structure in the other sports compared to baseball? I mean, football, do you, do you have a problem with it? Do you have a problem with the NFL and the NBA? In I think the NBA, almost everybody makes well, it. Well, I think Same there are, I think there are yep. too many. And we've talked about these. Go, this goes back to my college days. That's 100 years ago. We always used to raise hell about the, uh, the National Hockey League, which when I was in college, there's only eight teams. That's all you had. Sometimes, in fact, they even expanded that to have from six. Right. But what on earth? Why would you have a season where you play all along and then have every, every team make the playoffs? That, 
Well, that in and of itself does have some credibility because it's every team. This is not every team. All right, over and above all that, the NBA, the NBA is, of course, it's all done for money, the whole thing. The NBA always has been. I remember when it was a lot shorter than, than it is right now, as is the hockey. And the football playoffs, again, all done for TV. This yep. never used to be the case of the one world championship game that I did see in 1960 when I was a freshman in college. Yeah, freshman in college. Eagles and the Packers. There was no playoff game. It was the two division champions playing each other. There was no Super Bowl, no nothing like that. No, the, the playoffs are all brought about by the need for expanding the paycheck and for coming up with enough money to pay some of these ridiculous salaries that we have. Josh, what did you think of the World Series? I truly enjoyed watching the World Series, every game of it. And here's what I'll say. I, I love the idea of the underdog. Uh, the NCAA tournament is a perfect example of how the underdog has a chance. The way that baseball has developed their playoff structure, we saw it. The Phillies were the worst team to make it into the playoffs, and they made it to the World Series because they were the underdog. They played hot. They won games that they were, they were not the favorite in any of their series, and they made it to the World Series. I love that, and I love that because that's what – it, that's what makes sports enjoyable to me is is seeing somebody who, quote unquote, shouldn't be there making the best of that situation and winning. Because, I mean, being an Alabama fan, I expect them to win every year, <laughs> you know. And with every other sport that I that I watch, I want to see upsets. I want to see that kind of parody. I want to see the underdog win and knock the guy off the top. And so I loved the World Series, and I love the playoff structure that they have because you've got this team that they got hot, like you said, at the right time, made it into the playoffs, and made the best of it. They beat every other team in their league to make it to the World Series. And then they hit the juggernaut that was Houston. And they played well against Houston at times. They just they just cooled off. They couldn't, they couldn't do it. But – I feel like they deserve to be there because because of the result. Now, if they had gotten in and maybe won their first series and then got swept in the second series, okay, I can understand where you're coming from, Ned. They didn't really deserve to be in there. It's a waste of a spot. But they made the most of their opportunity. Can't deny that. They did indeed. Yeah, I was amazed at how many Phillies fans there were because how hated Houston is. Oh, yeah. We all <laughs> is hate Houston, them. Is Houston like the most hated team in baseball right, right now? Right now it is, yes. It, because of that cheating scandal being so new still. They are and it's still you, so fresh. You know, there aren't very many players from that team. Two. Altuve and... Uh, Bregman. Bregman. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Both of whom played down here at Hammonds Field for the Corpus Christi Hooks. Bregman and all. Oh, wow. In fact, there was a really interesting little matchup at several times during the World Series. Bregman and Nola, Aaron Nola pitching for the Phillies, and Bregman and they were teammates at LSU. What did you think of uh, Verlander giving the KY1 to the Philly fans? I thought that was a little unnecessary, but, you know, they, anybody who would give the KY1 ought to be thrown out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now we're into the hot stove, and uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll be talking about that in the, the coming weeks. When we come back, we'll, uh, we'll figure something to talk about. It's Ned Talk. I'm wondering 4.7 The Cave.
You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. That was Alex Scott rattling his microphone around as you uh, we went on the air there. A little yep. microphone etiquette, you know. Touch just it that. again. <laughs> I'm Joe Weston, Ned Reynolds, Alex Scott, and Josh Roberts with us tonight. We're 16 minutes away from the start of the pregame show. Chiefs and Tennessee Titans tonight right here on 104.7 The Cave. Don't forget, we can sync up with the game, or you can sync up with the game, because there's a TV delay, not to get too technical about it, but TV is slightly delayed, and we've fixed it so you don't have that problem. You can listen to the game on 104.7 The Cave, and you do not have to, or you can listen to the terrestrial. I'm going to say you can't listen to it online because you know nfl rules and all that junk that we have to put up with but you you can listen to the terrestrial signal at 104.7 the cave set your radio your stereo whatever up get that turned up and then turn down the tv so you don't have to listen to chris collinsworth tonight and you can watch the game and it will be great because you get to hear danan and to get chair mitch holtis do the game so let's uh, let's talk about the Missouri State Bears. I mean, the good news about the football season is it's almost over, right? <laughs> have uh, let's see, they have Youngstown State next week, and then their the season uh, finale, which will be at Indiana State and Terre Haute. These are all games the Bears can win. Yesterday's was a game the Bears should have won, in my opinion, but did not do so. Not playing very well. Offensive line has become very porous. Uh, 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 Peyton Shelley has been on his backside three times yesterday, five times in previous games. Did have a good game against Western Illinois, but that was a decimated squad. This is it's just been a very tough year, very tough year for the Bears, especially when we thought that they were going to be a really dynamite football team. I think personnel-wise, I think they are. I just do not think the team has played well together, and there's every aspect in football and as in every other sport, every aspect of your machine has to be working cohesively to make it a winning outfit, and, and this team has not done so. Is there anything that you can point to that you go, this is the thing, because there was high expectations going into the season. They they won their first game, they won their second game, then they go into Arkansas, and that's you know a top program, and they did extremely well. In that game, they had it, you know, in three quarters, they beat Arkansas, but you got to play four. And then after that, it's been nothing but bad. I mean, is there anything in your mind that you can look at and you can go, did somebody get injured? It, just no, there is not a, not a tangible figure that you're making reference to other than the fact that the offensive line has not played particularly well. Defensively, they have also had periods where they have been very good but also sporadic periods when they've not been good at all, like giving up a lot of yardage to South Dakota yesterday. Uh, they're playing good teams. That's the one thing I think we're overlooking at the Missouri yeah. Valley Conference has South Dakota State, North Dakota, South Dakota. These are all very good football teams. The SEC uh, is, is used in comparison to the Missouri Valley Conference as the two being homogenous in different levels. One is FBS and the other FCS. 
Well, actually, the Big Sky Conference has more teams in the top 25 than Missouri Valley does. But Missouri Valley has the number one team in America, South Dakota State. Watched them play, and they were they were every bit as big or bigger than Arkansas and very physical, extremely physical football team. They're going to be awfully, awfully tough to beat in the, in the playoffs. But having said that, I think so much was expected of the Bears because the Bears haven't been very good in recent years and the fact that they had been to the playoffs the last couple of years. That uh, perhaps was leading us down and leading co- – and the players, everybody's disappointed. It isn't just us. No, It's I, the players and coaches. Everybody thought they'd be a whole lot better. But there are many facets to any athletic team, anything, in which you have to be cohesive and you have to play in a rhythm, and they have not done that. Well, so many things can happen. You can have high expectations going into a season, no matter what level of sports you're playing from Little League to the NFL. It doesn't matter. Things happen that change the outcome of your season. And I agree with you. I don't think there's a finger to point anywhere at this. It just perhaps our expectations as Bears fans around here are a little bit out of whack. Do you think that Coach Petrino stays and is here another year? Well, I don't know the man. I don't know what he's... Just your gut. My gut is that he stays, yeah, that he, he continues to coach it. His whole family is here. The family's involved in the coaching of the team. His uh, kids and grandkids, kids are on the coaching staff. The grandkids are living here. I think he stays. And, and, and you know, Springfield, Missouri, is not the type of community that puts a lot of pressure on their coaches. Like Auburn, where Harson is there for a year and a half. It, your record's 9-12, and 12, not good enough. We just got through with a coach who was 12 and 47 and stayed that long. 12 wins, 47 losses. Uh, coach Petrino's predecessor. And uh, we put up with him that long. So, yeah, I, I don't think there's the kind of public outcry that would know that, that the answer is yes, I think he stays. And the good news for everybody that is a Missouri State fan is that Missouri State basketball is getting ready to start. (laughs) (laughs) Lady Bears open up tomorrow night, and the Bears on Wednesday night. Lady Bears open up with Mizzou, and that game is tomorrow night at the uh, Great Southern Bank Arena. And I will, for what this is worth, uh, throw out an addendum to those who might be listening. All the Lady Bears weekday games or weeknight games start at 6 Okay. Different time. They're all starting at 6. Men's game starts at 7. JQH Arena is what that used to be. Now it's the Great Southern Bank Arena. Are they taking down the JQH signs and everything? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh gosh, yes. It's completely changed. Wow. Wow. John Q. Hammonds, how quickly we have forgotten ye. <laughs> so what's the what's the outlook for the men's and the women's teams here in, in all around in, at Missouri State and Drury? Well, the women's team is picked to be down a little bit lower in the standings than you would think. Men's team is, I think, number four, if I'm not mistaken, in the, in the Missouri Valley. It's really hard to say because they're all new. Yeah. All the, the, men have, the, the Bears have 14 new players. Oh, wow. Drury has a whole slew of new players. I don't know what the number is. The, and the Lady Panthers are number 10 in America, but that's, that's D2. I say, but they are D2. They're number 10 in America. They have a history of being very good and should be very good this year. Lady Bears and Bears and Panthers, I think the jury is out in what they do. Drury had an exhibition game, but this really wasn't fair. It was Sunday a week ago. A week ago tonight. Play Creighton. Creighton, mm-hmm. is, <coughs> excuse me, Creighton is number nine in America, and that's, and North Carolina is number one. 
Mm-hmm. And Gonzaga is number two. Creighton's number nine. And Beedrie, 109 to 57. Wow. All right, that's a, that's a yeah. slaughtering, but you expect that sort of thing. Yes. That can happen. The Bears won their exhibition game last night, beating Kansas Newman, which is a D2 team from the MIAA conference, beat them by 20, 78 to 58. Well, Kansas Newman played their cross-city rival, Wichita State, three nights before and lost to them 83-52. So what do you, what do you get from yeah. that one if you compare Nothing. scores? Nothing. The same. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. All right. Well, we're just about to the start of the pregame show. Comes up in about nine minutes, and we will have our picks for you next. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. The professionals take over in about three and a half minutes. The people who don't touch the microphones when they're on and the people who know got who got traded from the Chiefs this week and don't say the wrong people's names. <laughs> they're the pros. We're... <laughs> We're just hourly slaves around here talking about football. All right, let's do our picks. Ned, Tennessee Chiefs tonight, and let Alec get this in here really quick about Ryan Tannehill. Just announced a couple minutes ago, Tannehill officially out. Rookie Malik Willis going to be making his second career start tonight. That means, folks, that Kansas City wins this and they can name the score. Malik Willis had real trouble engineering any kind of offense for this team. He's a rookie. What do you expect? Now, he played for a pretty good program, Liberty, and his ball club went into Fayetteville and beat Arkansas, but it was not, that was yesterday, that was not his club. Anyway, he is from Liberty, they have gone D1, so he does have that kind of experience. But playing before Arrowhead and the noise that's going to be up there, this kid's going to get rattled, the Chiefs are going to put a lot of pressure on him. I think Kansas City wins this one, may even shut out the Tennessee Titans. All right, Alec, what about you? You know, I, I my only concern is I worry that the Chiefs feel exactly like you do. And then to quote uh, our quote of the day, month, year, these are professional athletes <laughs> playing for the Tennessee Titans. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, Where, you just got served, uh, Ned. No, 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 no. He's plagiarized, so you got to put a little dent yep. in there. A little, you know, put some money courtesy in the of Ned Reynolds. Put you know, money in the Ned I'll jar. I'll make a donation man. to your charity of choice, but I – the you Chiefs should. <laughs> the Chiefs should Ned win charity. this one. Um, as long as they don't buy into that same mentality that we all are seeing right here, then it'll be a cakewalk. But yeah, I I'm gonna go. Chiefs are gonna win this one, but I think it's gonna be. Let's go 31 17. All right, Josh. What about you? I think Lynn Dawson throws for 300 <laughs> yards tonight and. No, I, the Chiefs are going to win this game because it sounds like Tennessee is even worse than they were with Tannehill out. They have a good record. They're 5-2 and two this season. They are the division leader, and so I think they just, they've just flown under the radar. They probably have. The, but tonight all they have offensive-wise is Derrick Henry. That's is, a lot. That is a lot. He is a great running back, and he'll get his yards. But if that's all that they can accomplish, I think I agree with Ned that the Chiefs are going to score on them at will. And All right. It, it just depends on how much they want to score. In other words, turn score? off the radar. They're not even going to have to fly under that. <laughs> right. <be>. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your final score? Uh, 52 to 10. 52 to 10. All right. I'm going 
14. Our next game will be Sunday, and it's the Chiefs, by the way. I'm choosing the Chiefs. I'm not just throwing a number out there. <laughs> right. I was doing that to start with. San Francisco Giants. San Francisco <laughs> Giants. I think, uh, yeah, they'll beat the Nashville Stars tonight. <laughs> the Chiefs are playing other teams. That's how uh, good they are. They're just playing other teams in other sports. Right. Anyway, next week we'll be on at 10 a.m. bright and early next Sunday morning. Chiefs will play at noon against Jacksonville. Until then, be safe, enjoy your week, and enjoy the game. It's getting ready to start in just a few minutes.